superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you see whose name is everywhere? Rich Eisen. It's a persona for everybody. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And then what about the timing of this, Bruce Feldman? What about Urban? Because obviously USC doesn't have to make a move right now. If he is 0-9 or, or 1-11, it wouldn't surprise me if he had, man, I don't need this. Earlier on the show, Pro Football Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. Oregon Duck Center Alex Forsythe. Two-time Oscar nominee, director Ken Burns. Coming up, actor and comedian John Lovitz. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. Great chat with Ken Burns, who uh, classed up the place um, after we went off the rails talking about the uh, video that's gone viral from yesterday's Alabama press conference where uh, um, one of... Nick Saban's best on the defensive side of the ball gave up the D's nuts ghost. <laughs> oh, that's been out there. Dan, apparently, uh, my buddy Dan Patrick has uh, been all over that apparently. story. Um, <laughs> I you know, didn't know. The, so he's been all over the story, if there's a story behind all of it. <laughs> At any rate, um, Ken Burns was on the program. His new documentary series, the four-part uh, series on on Muhammad Ali starts on PBS on Sunday. It sounds amazing. Marshall Falk was on in hour number one and just uh, lit it up. It was just a, a terrific conversation. Always talking ball with Marshall's great. Go to our YouTube feed, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for any of that, including our chat with Alex Forsyth, the Oregon Center, who's our second ever Gorilla Glue Toughest Player on Planet Earth Award winner. He gets a thousand bucks in free glue. And I, I felt like Oprah. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, when we were thinking about, like, hey, let's, let's name Alex Forsyth. Uh, and I want to thank also Jeff Schwartz of, uh, you know, formerly of Oregon and the NFL. And now he's uh, creating a great space for himself in the NFL analysis business on Twitter, on radio, talking all sorts of manner and um, on TV. And uh, I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, you're the, or you're the offensive lineman. You're the Oregon Duck. Let's talk about which guy you think really stood out. And he pointed out to me that, you know, don't forget these are old linemen, that they all, one guy gets it, everybody gets it. And I'm like, I don't know if I can, you know, call up Gorilla Glue and say, you, you want to toss extra. 5K towards these guys? <laughs> like, that's not, but I'm like, I, I reached out to Gorilla Glue. I'm like, can we give glue to everybody? And they're like, absolutely. So I felt like Oprah, you get yeah. glue. You get some glue. Look <laughs> under your seat. You get some glue. Yeah. The so, big uglies like to stick together. They too, do. Rich. Figure, yeah, figure yeah, out, literally, well done. And stick together. Do you see how he said stick together? <laughs> well done. Yeah. You're a wordsmith. Thank you, Chris. 
so Chris, what do you what do you got over there on uh, on the news front? Uh, you said uh, something about Odell Beckham Jr. is afoot or a knee yeah, right so, now for, um, the, for the Browns. Last week, Odell. It looked like he was going to play, but it was going to be a game-time decision. He ultimately sat out. Well, this week, Kevin Stefanski, it's Wednesday, already ruled out Odell Buckham uh, for his game, for the Browns game this week against Houston. So I'm, you know, something's going on there that we're not getting the full story if he's already getting ruled out on a Wednesday. Or he's just not fully ready, which happens with knee yeah. reconstruction. You know? And the Browns are good. The Browns have an opportunity to be great. And obviously a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. is the one who can help them with that elevation of good to great. It's entirely possible they can do that on their own. Um, But I, I totally think this is something obviously we're not there. And Stefanski knows his team and he knows Odell. Just let him get ready, and then when he's ready to come back, you unleash the full OBJ, and off you go. Right? I mean, do you need him against the Houston Texans? You shouldn't. I'll be very honest with you. You should not. I think you guys are overlooking Houston. Stop it. Tyrod's taking Tyrod's the Michael Jordan meme now. He's just taking it personal. No, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Overlooking Houston? We're overlooking Houston. If the Browns don't beat... Houston Texans at home after what they just did and looked as good as they did and in Kansas City, then that's a big problem. They should win this game, and they should win it by two scores, and they should protect their home turf, and they should beat the crap out of them. An elite team in the AFC should take a team like the Houston Texans on the road, feeling good about themselves, and just tear them apart. That's what they should do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Certainly, let me just ask you this question. What if the Houston Texans strolled into Arrowhead this week? What would you expect? Well, I would expect the best team in the league to take them out. Right. So if the Browns want to be the best team in the league, they should take them out. But they're not because they played a half in they Kansas City. Can, Everyone got so excited after a half of football. They can be one of the best teams they in can the be, league. They can be, but they don't know. play like it. I get it. It's We're, we're talking about the same thing. And so now we're thing. just looking past Houston because why? Because they decided to deactivate their great player. They hired a guy who probably shouldn't be a head coach in the NFL. Like, what are we doing? They won a game. They beat down a team that had a lot of hype with the number one player and a new coach, and they looked amazing. Terod Taylor looked like a top-half quarterback in the league over the weekend. I I get everything that you're saying. Mark Ingram looked revitalized. See, to everybody out there nationally hearing this, maybe in our beautiful nation's heartland or anywhere south, southeast, um... And the great upper Midwest. This is what two East Coast people sound like when they talk about something they agree on. <laughs> yeah. I'm agreeing with you, Chris. Okay. okay. The well, it just Browns seems to me. Well, it seems should, to me like you're ready to anoint the Browns already, and they've really done nothing. I'm not to re- deserve a crown. That's first of all. I've not been trying to anoint them with a crown. I've been trying to anoint them as an elite NFL team. Which, by the way, a team that went to the divisional well, playoffs, I mean, a team that finished in the final eight last year, and you could do the math, that's the top quartile, quarter, the quartile yeah. of the National Football League. They should take a team that is should. As, 
as downtrodden based on their roster and everything that might be going on in their locker room, and I'm sure they feel great about what happened last week, they should take him and bring him back down to earth. That's what the Buccaneers would do to the Texans right now. That's what the Chiefs would do to the Texans right now. That's what a handful potentially of NFC West teams would do to the Texans right now. If they're coming to their house feeling good about themselves, this is what we're going to do. Okay. Browns are big favorites, 12 and a half right now. And and obviously a town that just hired Kenny Main is very excited about the concept. Yeah. You know, so they agree that the Browns have been anointed by the powers in certain parts of this country <laughs> as an elite team, and they should do it. And they should not need Odell Beckham to do it because that's what elite teams do, is they're deep enough roster-wise to tell some of their all-world, you know, athletic you know unicorns chill get ready and i'll tell you this this is a concern that we're going to see play out tomorrow night should saquon be playing right now and this is another thing like do you blame it on the offensive line of the giants do you blame it on the 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 number of tweets that i saw from all the all 22 people that i follow on twitter in the nfl world talking about how dreadful the play calling and the scheme of the Giants is brutal from our friend, the clapper, our buddy, Jason Garrett, coach yeah. Garrett. I mean, the, the pile on has begun how terrible it is and how mm-hmm. completely unsatisfactory and unhelpful to the, to the roster. And the fact that Saquon trying to block a linebacker and Solder trying to block Von Miller ran into each other on Sunday is giving an image for all of those tweets to be attached to. That they're out of sync. Saquon hasn't been out there. And the question is, is is he healthy? And he was asked on Sunday, when will he know if his knee is well enough to go on a short week? And he said Thursday. That was his answer. His answer wasn't like, I'm good, I'm ready to go, I feel great, next question. His answer was to the question on Sunday, when will you know if your knee is well enough to go on a short week? He gave game day as his answer. That's not good. And so I'm sitting here wondering, is he out there too soon? And the difference between the Giants and the Browns is the Giants need him out there and the Browns don't when it comes to Odell Beckham. And they have that luxury, which an elite team should have. And bringing this all together, because I weave a tapestry here on the Rich Eisen Show. I don't just host a show. <laughs> the Browns are one of the teams that can least afford to fall to 0-2. If they lose to the Texans, then the folks like you who are arguing with me, even though we're agreeing with each other, (laughs) get more wind at their sales if it's just the Browns and who are they and they've been anointed and what's going on and Baker doesn't deserve it and what's going on. And if Pittsburgh beats the Raiders. Am I missing you two agreeing? Because We did agree. We did agree on that, TJ. He was just, he thinks I'm trying to anoint the Browns as a Super Bowl contender. I'm saying they are an elite team now. Their last two losses have been against the team whose crown they're coming for in their house. 
And that is a very difficult proposition, as we all know. Outside of all that, they have been incredibly impressive. And they should show it against the Texans. This is one of those that they should say, this Brock Osweiler Bowl is ours. (laughs) And also, Chris, the Texans beat down the Jaguars. I mean... Well, guess what? R- rookie coach, rookie QB won one game last year. And like, again, if the Jaguars are ripe for it, they showed an ability to do it. Jaguars were But we asleep. were talking about the Texans coming into the year that they may not win a game. That's correct. So. I, I, I made, and I, mea culpa, I always, you know, mea culpa. Game day morning on Sunday morning. One of, you know, we come in and out of breaks with some video that our tremendous crews across the country capture on the field and. And we run it back to show some flavor. And we were showing like a marching band, a Texans marching band warming up. And I'm like, the phrase beat like a drum in Houston. That's the whole idea that people are thinking. Ha ha, I thought it was a good line. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Kurt, Lone Wolf's the Texans, he's laughing. We're not. But yeah, that said, caught me by surprise. Terod Taylor and the Texans coming into your house, you just... You know, lost to the Chiefs. You want to be elite. You're doing elite things, which is playing some excellent football outside of, you know, second halves of mistake-prone football against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead where crazy things can happen. You know, take care of your business at home. That's it. Yeah, this game better be a blowout for them. I think, Or or it's going to be big trouble. Well, yeah. I think they should be able to handle this old handling. But even if they barely win, if they win by a field goal or something. Guess six what? Points, we can like, then, then it'll be great fodder for us to discuss between their next games. But in the long run, uh, you know, there's no pictures in the standings. None. A dub's a dub. That's correct. And there's a win, there's a loss, there's a tie. There's no moral victories in the column. I look for it. It's you're moral <laughs> you know what it's interesting. Moral. There's no moral victories in the standings, um, except if you just consider it uh, a loss. Then it shows up in the loss column. <laughs> and I looked Ma- at you that entire time. I did. Is that what Marshall <laughs> said, though? About, uh, what, what was his line earlier about Cowboys fans are picking wins out of a loss? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's what he heard Irv on game day morning. That's what Irv was doing. He was taking measurements is what he said. Measuring the team. And the team being measured. The team's being measured that you've got a quarterback. Like I said, my takeaway from Thursday Night Football was Dak Healthy, check. Worth the $40 million, check. Those are two big checks you wanted to see. And the fact that you got it in Tampa against the Bucks and we're up with seconds to go yeah. is great. It's terrific. You've got to have wind at your back like that. But they're taking on a Chargers team here, brother. Mm, so that is no joke. No they're joke. They have a lot of fans. No, the Cowboys fans we will be all out in full force, except for TJ. TJ will just be sitting on his couch saying, boy, my... My brethren and sisters are loud. <laughs> As he starts eating more popcorn, meat, meat, eat more yeah. food from his buddy Orville popcorn. that he got, got from his buddy Drew Carey. Sandwich. They have good popcorn there. I actually Sh- had it. Sh- yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better than it, man. I mean, Soda. I've yep. gotten so, so used to sitting at home over the last two years that I'm. I'm you know, got You got to get out there, TJ. Get out there. TJ, get out. Seriously. Mingle. I'm good. Go. I, I don't like people anymore, so. I don't understand what you say. You're such a nice guy, and you. I am, but that doesn't mean I want to be around a bunch of people. I mean, okey. okay. <laughs> and I think everyone in watching right now probably agrees with you're me. You're not going you know, to the big D. Probably register. agree yeah. with me. You don't want to be around a whole lot of people. You're not going to the big D. <laughs> Pause. Come here. 
Oh, you didn't well, TJ. I, I, I hung it out there for you. All right, let's take a break. This should be an interesting conversation, to say the least. John Lovitz will yeah. be joining us. He's uh, He was already booked to talk about his uh, show on Tubi called Tales of a Fifth Grade Robin Hood. Of course, we all know about the passing of Norm MacDonald. We'll talk about everything with John Lovitz and a great celebrity, true or false, coming up with him. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Where did Stefan come from? Did that uh, was that uh, that came from uh, two things? John Mulaney wrote that with me, and John I it deserves a lot of credit for Stefan because mm-hmm. he wrote so much of the rhythm of that and the and the specifics of it. And clearly, I found it funny because uh, I laughed every time uh, we did it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we ever did it where I didn't laugh. John will put in different things, or he'll tell me as I'm walking out. And it's just like throwing stuff at me. And when I hosted last, John came out as yeah. Shy, his lawyer, who's also a piss artist. Yeah. And um, and he came in and he, this is all John. And John whispered it. And he comes out and and he, I thought he was going to do it kind of like in the Stefan voice, like, hey, Stefan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He comes in and he goes, hello, Stefan. <laughs> he talked in a very normal voice. And he goes, hello, Stefan. Hello, everyone. And he kind of talked to this real official <laughs> And I started laughing. And then he whispered in my ear. He goes, oh, I have something to tell you. And he just whispers in my ear, my girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Ball. <laughs> and, there you go. and I just started laughing just to like, it was just punching me in the face. He's like, hey, by the way, my girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Ball. And I'm like, you watch it, I'm like, what? I'll tell you, I know you're not supposed to laugh at this stuff and break in the middle of a scene, but 
That's oh, I broke amazing. every time. You yeah, did? the first time was we had a club promoter named Amnesia Bern- Bernstein, and it didn't really get anything. <laughs> and then he goes, Amnesia Bernstein didn't really get anything. And he goes, I'll change it to something else. And then as I was walking out, he goes, oh, I changed Amnesia Bernstein to Gay Leota. <laughs> <laughs> And I started laughing. So the minute I roll out, I'm like, All right, the other one was, uh, sorry, the other one that made me laugh was he said, he'll change a little things. We had a, we had, we had written a, uh, uh, also at the club was uh, a two-year-old Ultimate Fighter, Julie Lips Jackson. He's got fists like empanadas and he's addicted to ecstasy. That's what we wrote. And then he wrote. So it was like two-year-old, uh, two-year-old, two-year-old Ultimate Fighter, Drooly Lips Jackson. Uh, he's got fists like imp- he's got fists like empanadas, and they turn the cue card. It said, "And he's my best friend." <laughs> so when he turns the card, it says, "And he's my best friend." But I lost it. Oh my god! I was like John. I am laughing so hard. And behind the cue cards, past him, I could see him and Sandberg up against the wall just like (laughs) watching me laughing like, just do this, dude. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for all the good stuff and all the laughs and all the years. We've been on the air almost seven years and we'll be celebrating next month. Back here at the show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Let's take Nathan and L.A.'s phone call here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Nathan? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm well. What's going on in your mind, Nathan? So I'm watching the re-air of the Browns Chiefs on NFL Network yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I don't know now if it was the original CBS broadcast or a re-edit that NFL Network put together, but there were several camera angles and shots sprinkled into the the broadcast that were very reminiscent of a Madden game. Mm -hmm. Did anybody else pick this up or notice this? I don't know. It's there were there were the angles you would see, particularly at, on scoring plays and a couple of plays where they yeah they were coming back for commercial where they did this. yeah you they're just they're just using a ton of great new camera angles yeah. this year that I think we're going to see and then just you got that you know I, I you saw some of it in the NBA this year yeah the just, 4K DSLR cameras like on on the field they're using yeah and it looks, looks like cool. you're using your portrait camera on yeah, your yeah, phone exactly it's like 8K. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's unbelievable. It is. Yeah, it's so sick. So I mean, just get used to it, man. I mean, then and it's cool. No, I think it's cool. I think it's great. You know, it's just a new angle. It's bringing in a new audience. They, that's the the perspective they enjoy or they're familiar with, and mm-hmm. it's, I think it's going to add an interesting element. There you go. Thanks for the call, Nathan. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, those sky cams that are behind the play now are amazing. Well, the here's ones. the thing. I love if you you know, let me give just a little heads up to um, some directors in. The NFL world, okay. Just give me, just let me give you a little heads up. Let me give you a little help. Sometimes we don't need Scorsese. We don't. I, I, I don't need Tarantino. I don't need Scorsese. For instance, when there is a punt, I don't want to see the sky cam behind a punter. I don't. I want to see. Pardon me. I'm allergic to it. My voice closed. My, my throat closed up. Well done. What I want to see, I want to see the regular down the side, fifty yards down the side. Let's because go. when there's a when there's a uh, a fake, sometimes you don't know if it's a first down. You have no idea, right? Right. 
I, if you're behind. On if second, you're behind. Can't tell it's first Well, you got to be behind. I mean, you have to for the sake of the, the punt. Right. The camera. It's lower. That's the thing, too. They take that camera lower now, which they didn't use Mike, to do. it's just, again, I don't need it. I know. You know, and then, know. And, and then like you're, you're like, I mean, you're, and, and it's, mm. I don't need to see, and I know that's the video yeah, game angle. It's the high, you know, the, even if you're lower, yeah. the, the camera that's hanging from the stadium behind the shotgun yeah. formation quarterback, maybe that's the difference. Somebody who's 12 and is playing Madden all the time, love they're that. used to that. They love that. We aren't. No. We aren't. I don't want it. But the kids, like, like they like that. I, I, I really, understand. I gotta think they do. But there was a, Michigan went for a, a fake against Washington. Yeah. I had no idea if it was a first down. Because the camera was behind. Like, yeah. I don't want it. I don't need it. That's my two cents. You don't agree with me? I appreciate that. No, no, I'm I'm totally with you. I am, though, uh, like Nathan said, I'm I'm all about these. The on the field, the 8K that looks like portrait mode. Oh, I think it's, it's so cool. Yeah, it it does look like a video game. It does look very Madden-y, 2K, but it's like, yeah, we've been it's just same. cool. It's just the, the access, the on the field. I want to hear it. I want to see it. Right. It's really awesome. The enhanced audio is amazing. I mean, that, they started that about three years ago, I think, where they put the mics, like more of the mics on the players and yes. stuff. Well, that you heard that last Thursday when Brady hit. It's insane. Gronk on the audible. Like, yeah. He stopped on the touchdown play. It's amazing. Hey, yelled at Gronk. You heard Brady say it through the play. Boom, yeah. touchdown. I don't think the players and coaches like that at all. Probably not, but. Because you are literally tough. hearing them every play they're calling. Well, no, you I mean, could pick up what's going on. Yeah. Change your, the, change your audibles. Like. <laughs> change your audible? <laughs> Guys. You saw Peyton Manning oh my tell you how hard it is to call a play, and now you're going to change Payton, your audible? Peyton Manning was also the same guy who, like, Brady's complaining about the jersey numbers. Yes. He told Brady, like, look, watch more film. Like, get you Know that number six is now the middle linebacker. Chess, that, there's, there's a new movie called Searching for John Lovitz, except it's not about chess, it's about Othello. <laughs> We're looking for him. We are looking Guys, for him. I just got an email from NFL Network Public Relations. About? A football life is returning oh, yeah. to NFL Network, the premiere, this Friday on NFL Network. And I got to speak to my NFL Films people because I think they might be very upset about this breaking news um, that won't be included because it, it, this is in the can. They can't open back up. No. Oh, no. Um, the feature is Nick Saban. Oh, and I don't think this whole D's nuts stuff is going to get covered. Uh, no. They should, you know what? <clears throat> hey, everybody, I like, I like a football life. I like those. What do you like those? How about these? <laughs> Rich, they need to make you, you got to do like a post show or a pre show for it. Hey. Well, you covered. That's all you cover. Includes interviews with Nick these? Saban, Ms. Terry, his wife, yep. his daughter, his son, Nicholas Saban. Um, I guess you got to go by Nicholas, right? You kind of have to. Yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick, Jason oh. Taylor, Carl Banks. Oh, oh, yeah. Who's listed as former Cleveland Browns player, which <laughs> New York Giants, Giants fans, fans are, are like, like what? what are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> Belichick, there is nobody I respect more in football than Nick Saban. Whoa. I don't think oh. there is anybody that is a better coach than Nick Saban because Nick he does everything well. As a matter of fact, I would take him and D's all the time. <laughs> I had that last one. I mean, Rich. <laughs> Belichick, Nick was the first coach I hired and the best coach I hired. 
about the, the Browns. Nick was really my number one partner there, and I relied on him so heavily on every level. Not only Doe's, but D's levels. Stop. I mean, Rich. Stop. Sorry, I'm keeping... I'm, hey, I, I must have, have gotten the wrong... Wrong yeah, press wrong release. Email. Yeah, right, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a question. I have yes. a question. Uh-huh. Hypothetically speaking, if we could somehow make this happen, mm-hmm. Nick Saban coaches a team of Alabama All-Stars who play in the NFL. Oh, yes. Okay? yes. Belichick coaches... The hypothetical all-time Patriots team, who wins? Oh, I put a pin in that because our guest is uh, is on the phone line right now. Great question, Chris. I like that. On the Mercedes-Benz van phone line is none other than uh, John Lovitz, whose Tubi's Tales of a Fifth Grade Robin Hood is available right now on Tubi. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, John? Great. How are you? Nice uh, to talk with you again. Yes, nice to talk with you again. Um, so, uh, first things first, uh, John is I would love to, you know, uh, talk with you about your project and we will, but I did want to bring up, um, Norm McDonald first, if you don't mind and your thoughts okay. on, on somebody who I'm sure you've known for quite some time. Well, I, yeah, I didn't know he was sick at all. It's sad. He was a, uh, you know, a great comedian and uh, very, very, very funny, very talented. And I, when I started doing stand up, I used to, uh, I would host shows for SNL, like for five minutes with mm-hmm. Victoria Jackson and Kevin Nealon, and and uh, and then later on, I you know I got better and better, and then I started opening. Uh, I was an opener for Norm, and then we would co-headline. It was about for about a year I did that, and, and then I started headlining on my own. But he was always very very funny, nice guy, and uh, it's sad, you know, he has a son, and I met when his son was little, and I feel very bad for his son. And, mm-hmm. But I had no idea that he was, uh, zero idea that he was sick. I mean, I don't don't know anyone that knew. Mm. Uh, The guys that communities I talked to that were closer to him than me, they didn't know. And so, So. I mean, what would you say, because I've gone down, uh, well, we all have, uh, like a YouTube wormhole on all of Norm's bits and moments. And I mean, what would you say, because the thing that everybody keeps talking about is how fearless he was and his commitment and things like that. You got a good story about any of that, either from Saturday Night Live and obviously. Well, what... yeah, I, you know, he was, you know, really smart. You know, he was like a math genius and he, he was extremely bright. <clears throat> so one time we were doing a show in um, Biloxi, Mississippi, and I, I'm not I'm not like him at all, except if you if you say to me, like, you can't say that or talk about a certain thing or don't say that. I'm like, well, now I have to. It's just kind of your instinct (laughs) to bug people, you know? Don't do that. It really bothers me. And then you're kind of a jerk. And they're like, oh, you mean like this? (laughs) So so we were doing a show, and and, uh, I opened for him about, I did about, I guess, 15 minutes or 20. Then he had line. But it was for for a, um, what do you call it? uh, what when they, when they comp the audience, you know what I sure. mean? Sure. Uh-huh. Big gamblers. I forget the word. Yeah. So it wasn't people paying tickets, but anyway, they did it. We did it. So he's doing the show, and he's you know he's very funny, but he's dirty. So so all of a sudden, people, someone yells out, "Well, we don't like that kind of talk." So there's about I don't know 400 people there, and he goes, "Well, how many of you don't like that kind of talk?" You know, and it was like the whole practically the whole room. He goes, "Well, how many of you don't mind?" And it was like 20 people. So he goes. Or ten people. He goes, well, I I I'd hate to disappoint that the, the, those ten people for, because the rest of you don't like it. 
And then he just got dirtier. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like crying, laughing, you know. Because <laughs> Donnie's wasn't even laughing, but he just, you know, that that was, you know, that was a typical him. Yes, fearless commitment, no doubt about that. And just uh, a couple more on this, and then we'll we'll, we'll move on. Um, well, he did that when he roasted Bob Saget. Yeah, I was going to bring that one up. Edited it, they edited it kind of screwy way. So you think the point of the roast, they go, you know, be funny, but like be dirty, right? Mm-hmm. So then he, everyone's doing that, including me. And then he gets up, and it's just telling the worst, corniest jokes and not cuss, just horrible jokes, and then just going on and on. So the audience is just staring at him. They weren't laughing, right? Yeah. And I realized he, it was the same thing he did in Mississippi. He's just doing it to bug him. <laughs> so I'm like crying, laughing. Because he, because he's eating it on purpose, you know what I mean? He's just yeah. bombing on purpose. But it was on purpose, you know, and the jokes were horrible. And I realized they don't, that's the joke. But, of course, they don't get it because the jokes aren't good. So, of course, they're not laughing. <laughs> but, but I know what he's doing. So I was, like, crying laughing because <laughs> I knew he was doing it just to bug him and do the opposite. And you see Bob Saget's laughing because Bob yeah. knows that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's just going doing the opposite of what they said you're supposed to do. Be dirty and funny. I'll just be clean and and tell horrible jokes. Yeah, I remember the joke was like your face looks like uh, cauliflower. You know, like you look so ugly, you look like your face looks like cauliflower. And then people would laugh, and Bob was laughing hysterically. Because yeah, like a cauliflower. No, the audience wasn't laughing at all. No, they they put in laughs afterwards, but I was there on stage. And you see, they cut to me crying, laughing, and when I some joking, but I was like. Like pounding because I just laughed more and more because he was just he was purposely you know trying to just tell these horribly corny jokes <sighs> and 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 Bob knew what he was doing you know well honestly just they were just staring at him like what is this well I mean I was course, there I'm I, like dying laughing I, you know yeah I was there for the uh, ESPY awards uh, when he hosted and um, a lot of ESPN executives were white knuckling his his monologue the entire time. And when he told the joke about Charles Woodson winning the Heisman Trophy and no one's going to take it away from him as the first defensive player unless he pauses and, well, unless you you kill your wife and a waiter. And the whole place just like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, that was wild, to say the least, John Lovitz. Did they laugh? Well, there was a lot of, I think, sort of woe and nervous laughter and then cutting away to athletes who were just like shaking their heads like they didn't know what to do. They had no idea what to do with their faces, you know, at that time. Right, it's like that. And he's, he, you know, you take a big risk when you do that. I mean, he did that at the casino. We were banned for, I couldn't work there for five years. Really? Are you yeah. serious? Mm-hmm. He got banned from that casino in Biloxi, Mississippi? For well, five and years? he was gambling and he got caught counting cards. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh there's that too. <laughs> well, I mean... So the combo. <laughs> John Lovett's here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. How did you get uh, to SNL, John, back in the day? How did you get there? Um, <clears throat> basically, well, basically, I, I did plays in high school and drama at UC Irvine. Mm-hmm. And then I did the class for camera and I went to New York for a year. I wasn't getting anywhere. So I started, came back to LA when I was 25 and started class at the Growlings Theater, the improv group, and mm-hmm. I figured I'd work my way up the classes, and my goal was to get in the company and get seen and get work, but I never thought I'd be on Saturday Night Live, 
and they put the Groundlings on the Tonight Show, and that got me an agent. Okay, Mike Eisenstein, he goes, I'm going to submit you for Saturday Night Live. I go, you're, he goes, oh, yeah, I go, yeah, right. He goes, no, I'm serious. I go, why don't I land on Pluto? Why don't I do that? <laughs> it was just out there. And then I got him, but he got me auditions, and I got a movie with Charles Grodin. Oh. God bless his soul. And he recommended me to Lorne on his own. And Lorraine Newman, who was in the original cast, was in the ground. She saw me in a play in the summer of 84, and she recommended me. And I always say those two really got me the job, but just kept auditioning. And then the Tonight Show, it's crazy. Uh, uh, Jim, Jim McCauley was the producer on his night show of all the comic uh, segments. And Jim McCauley is the one that really discovered all these you know, comics like Jim Carrey and Roseanne Barr and Gary Shanley and Bill Maher and Anna, me and gave them their big break on the Tonight Show, you know. And, and he would prepare their sets and work with them and go, okay, you're ready, you know. It was Jim McCauley. So he came to the Growling Theater and... Next thing I know, I'm on The Tonight Show doing my liar character, and I couldn't believe it. And But that got me the agent, Mike, and then just kept auditioning. And But when I met with Lauren, I, I, I met with Al, I met Al Franken and um, Tom Davis. They were producing the show that year. And then I met with Lauren, and, and he goes, how old are you? I go, 28. And he goes, oh, Billy Murray was 28. So I thought, is he telling me I have the job? And, and l- l- years later, he goes, yeah, that's... Didn't you know? I go, I thought I thought so when you said that. <laughs> but Jim McCauley, this is how crazy it is. Yeah. They hired a guy at NBC, Fred Weissman, to look for people for Saturday Night Live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Fred Weissman was, I said, how did you hear me? He goes, he goes, well, you know, they hired me. He goes, I was a dentist. So I didn't know anything. And they gave him that job. So I went to Jim McCauley. And Fred was a great guy, but he goes, I went to Jim McCauley. And I go, who's good, you know? And Jim said, John Lovitz is the best sketch comedian in Los Angeles. I go, he said that? He goes, yeah. I go, oh, my God. Because to me, you know, uh, uh, Phil Hartman and Tim Stack were the guys I looked up to at the Groundlings. They've been there for years. I go, well, they're the best. Me, they're the best guys I've seen, you know. So I, I just couldn't believe when I got the show. I couldn't believe it. How good was Phil Hartman, man? I mean, just. The- well, Phil was the best, you know. <sighs> we, he was like my. I, I, because of him, I got to be in this play at the Groundlings. I understudied the part. So I was so grateful. And then that got me into the company. So he became like, he was nine years older than me. So he's like my big brother. And, and I just idolized him, you know. And, and he was the nicest guy in the world. And <sighs> he was a real genius. And he could just, I always said, he, the only two comics I know that could change their face without any makeup was him and um, Jim Carrey. And they could look like the character they were playing, but with no makeup. Their face was just so malleable. And I, I couldn't do that in a billion years. And they were they could do it, you know. And that's crazy talent. And then he could just do anything. And he'd be like in his office. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm reading a magazine about fly fishing. And then three weeks later, I'd, I'd come by his office. Well, he was next door to me. SNL. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm making flies, you know. And like expertly making them. I go, you just read a magazine about it, and now you're like making them perfect. Well, but he would just throw himself into something and and become that. Like he he uh, learned how to fly and got and so I flew with him. I don't know, maybe three or four times. But he would become a character. Like it was like flying with a pilot from United Airlines. Like that. <laughs> yeah, and he would talk like that. Yeah, this is funny. Where am I? But he would just I'd be laughing. I go, Jesus. I got to tell you, I mean, and like, of all his characters, the guy in the world. of course, he's the only guy 
that would be in, like, you know, Saturday Night Live, you know, with comedians in a group mm-hmm. or the Groundlings or News Radio. And he's the only guy that every, he got, never got in fights with anybody, got along with everybody. Well, I mean, just I don't know what characters I would even say were his best. Obviously, Sinatra and Ed McMahon. And then, of course, he did Bill Clinton. But uh, the unfrozen caveman lawyer is one of my f- favorite things yeah. I could remember. And then. Well, Jack Handy, who'd write, you know, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Right. Jack wrote that. Phil was also the only guy in the show. We're all trying to get in the show as much as we could. And he he would complain, I meant too much. (laughs) 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 Like intense sketches. Well, it was too much, you know. Well, I mean, one of us. It was really hard, you know. But they just like, he could play anything. One of my favorite uh, characters, though, to be be honest with you, is when uh, Kevin Nealon would be Tarzan, you were Tonto, and he was Frankenstein, and he would just mumble, (laughs) you know? I mean,. That was well, Jim Downey wrote that. They're making a documentary now called Jim wrote that. Okay. And 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 we would never get many laughs. I say, Jim, why do we keep doing this? It was funny. I go, well, I go, Kevin and I are okay. I go, Phil's funny. That's how I felt. I go, he's funny. He's funny. you know. But I go, but it's not. though they love it at home. But the audience would be barely laughing, you know. But Phil would do it, and I would. Just, crying laughing you know inside my head he was so funny i mean the season's greeting where you <laughs> where the three of you were 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 giving a season's greeting about christmas and it like a television telethon or just like hey from a local news here's tonto tarzan frank yeah i just well, they'd a, a good one was doing a by the way i think kevin nealon's very funny me I just too within that sketch you too john you I know just... we were kevin and i were basically doing the same thing yeah but Jim goes, it's guys that don't use, you know, articles, don't say the and, and, and you know, me go home now, me now have good time. <laughs> so he goes, it was like guys like that. And then, but the Jim wrote a sketch, it was, oh, Mel Gibson. No, one was, uh, yeah, it was Mel Gibson was Frankenstein's evil brother. And, but he was really sick. And I was a brother, brother, you know, and then and he looked like Frankenstein. But one was, uh, Tarzan was having an affair with Jane and, no, Frankenstein was having an affair with Jane. So I have to go tell t- Tarzan. You know, that was a that was a really good one. But yeah, Phil was hysterical. One time we were it was Tarzan, Tano, and Frankenstein. Yeah. On the Pat Stevens show, which is a a, a character Nora Dunn did. She's yes. like the head of a modeling agency, not the brightest woman. The character Pat Stevens. So we're so she's interviewing Tarzan, Tonto, and Frankenstein. So the four of us are out there, and all of a sudden Phil starts. He start. He just laughed out of the blue, and then he stopped, and then about ten seconds later he just lost it. It was just laughing hysterically, and nothing had happened, and and we're just looking at him like, what is he doing? So it's infectious. So then we start laughing, and I'm like putting my face in my head, you know, arm, and and I'm going, Jesus, this is live television. Like, what are you doing? So afterward. The sketch, I said, Phil, I go, what happened? Because nothing had happened. You know? right. and, and he goes, well, I was just sitting there thinking about the sketch, and it just struck me as so funny, so I just laughed because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> and then I stopped, and then I started thinking about what I must have looked like to people at home watching the show, <laughs> seeing Frankenstein laugh like that, and I just <laughs> lost it. John Lovitz here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about your show uh, on Tubi, Tales of a Fifth Grade Robin Hood. Uh, what do you want folks to, to know about it? 
John? Well, I mean, it was a fun movie to do. I, I uh, movie. the movie's for kids. It's on Tubi, which is a a, a streaming a new streaming division from Fox, mm-hmm. and it's free. They have like thirty five thousand titles and movies and original content. And uh, the, the movie I did is about it. Uh, um, this kid goes to elementary school. It's an underfunded school. And I play, the, and the principal's away, and I play the vi- evil vice principal who's taking money from the fundraisers. And I'm, and I'm, just, try, I'm, go, I'm just trying to get on the board of supervisors. Basically, I just want to swindle every school that I can and sell all the supplies and desks and book, everything, just get money. So, and, and this guy foils, foils the plot. You know, it's like Robin Hood. He's trying to, you know, get the money from me and the rich people and give it to the kids. So he's a very clever kid. So it was fun to do, but I, I've I've never played a part in the movie where I'm like a really the bad guy. And um, so I I wanted to do it, you know. Okay. So I did. Well, I I can't. My my wife and I are always looking for stuff to show our kids and watch with our kids. So we're in. We're totally in. Yeah, this, this sounds for great. very young kids. They would like. Yeah, it's a family thing for and for young kids. Fantastic, and it's called Tales of a Fifth Grade Robin Hood. The movie is available right now on Tubi. John Lovitz, uh, let's do more of this. I, I could literally talk to you for a very long time, for hours. And uh, my well, all right, Rich. Well, let me know. I'll do it whenever you want. I'll, I appreciate being on your show. Absolutely. Thanks, John. And and, I'm not just saying that. No, no. I, 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 I've heard you on other shows, and I've heard you uh, leave other shows and not say that to the host. So I truly believe you, John. I totally believe you. That's the ticket. That's, I totally get <laughs> well, it. Well, they never said I could talk to you forever and love to have you back either. Okay. And I meant it. So let's do it. We'll okay, chat soon, John. Know. Thanks again, John. All right. Take care. That's John Lovitz, everybody. At Real John Lovitz on Twitter, at John underscore Lovitz on Instagram. I could hear those stories for. Oh, yeah, me too. Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer is my favorite. (laughs) I'm just a caveman. What a voice he had. He had the great voice. I'm just a caveman. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. We will take a break. We'll come back, set up shop for. Tomorrow's and Friday's edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We are just moving along in a football week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've come up with some, if you wouldn't mind, uh, some Nicks and how many different degrees they are separated from oh, you. Okay. If would you we've got um okay. first one up is Carmelo Anthony. All right. With Kevin Bacon here. Uh Carmelo Anthony uh played himself in Eddie Murphy's 2009 comedy Imagine That. 
Uh, <laughs> and then with an, an actress named uh, Marin Hinkle, uh-huh. Who is also in Rails and Ties, a 2007 oh, drama yeah. directed by Allison Eastwood, Clint's daughter, starring you, Kevin that's, Bacon. That's only two degrees. So that's Me two, and Mello, Carmelo no Anthony. Idea. Two degrees separated from. from Hello, here. hey, <laughs> hey, two degree. <laughs> You're a two degree guy. Here's another one kept for Kevin Bacon, Patrick Ewing. You wondering how many degrees he might be from you? Uh, I, I, have, I have no idea. Okay, here we go. Patrick Ewing played Ange- the Angel of Death in The Exorcist Three. He did. <laughs> yes. I have to get that. Oh my. He he God. played it with Brad Dourif, who is a, an excellent actor, as we all know. Yes. Uh, he played Christian Slater's brother in Murder in the First, nineteen ninety five, with Wow Kevin Bacon. Oh my gosh. So Patrick Ewing's Patrick ba- Ewing. bacon number, if you will. I'm going to walk out of here on a cloud. It's two. <laughs> Got one more for you. Bernard King. Okay. He played Hustler in Fast Break, the 1979 legendary Fast Break with Lawrence Fishburne, ah. who played Whitey Powers in Mystic River in 2003 with Moi. Kevin Bacon. Cool. Would you have guessed that no. Carmelo Anthony, Patrick Ewing, and Bernard King? No. Two degrees. No, I would have, I, but, but there is a long tradition of people in the NBA making terrible movies. So, <laughs> <laughs> but there are degrees separated from all of that. Uh, I got one more for you as well. Um, and this is personal to us here at the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, we're going to go in, in in opposite direction. Okay. Okay. You starred in Apollo 13, directed by Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Howard and Scott Bayo starred together on Happy Days, and Mike Del Tufo, our sound man, when he was a limo driver, now oh, audio engineer for the Rich Eisen Show, he once drove Liza Minnelli and dropped her off late night at Scott Bayo's house in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, I was a cast driver. Cast driver. So your Del Tufo degree of separation is three. See, in case is, you're wondering, this is the thing you always got to worry about with drivers. Is that, you know, you, you just want to go hang out with Scott Bale one night <laughs> and right down the down the road, you know, that just comes back and bites you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody, nobody's cool. Nobody just keeps it on the down low. Not on the DL anymore. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Oh, that was funny. I haven't so seen good. that video in a while. Oh. That was funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, we are back here on uh, the Rich Eisen Show on uh, on Peacock and also on this Rich Eisen Show radio affiliate. While we're on the subject of funny, AP Bio, an all-new season of the Peacock original comedy, AP Bio is streaming now. Class is back in session, and there's even more to not learn. Don't miss the outrageous new season or binge the entire series from the beginning only on Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up now. Funny, sh- funny show, funny, funny show. show, AP funny Bio, show. funny show, funny show. Patton Oswalt, funny man, funny man. John Lovitz, bad. I mean, that was great. That was fun. Uh, I want to call your attention not only to our podcast every day. If you miss this show in any way, shape, or form, we're on demand. We're on demand video wise on youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. We're on demand here on Peacock as well. You can check out our show uh, in clips right here on, uh, on the sports toggle but really our youtube page is is the best way to do it as well and we also re-air here on peacock but the cumulus podcast network has all three hours of our show on demand so listen to us every day if that's the way you wish to do it and uh, please subscribe we appreciate that also on our cumulus podcast network uh, family of shows 
is Just Getting Started, which is my podcast that I host with uh, a guest talking about their origin stories and how they got started in their careers. Al Michaels was last week in the new 10-part episode, 10-episode uh, series of Just Getting Started for Season 2 back on Voices of the NFL. If you missed that, go check that out. But you can also check out the new episode that dropped today with Joe Buck. And I asked Joe something I never asked him before. Give me your first sports memory, Joe. I'm always, I don't think I've My ever asked you. first ever sports memory? Yeah, like you remember, like like the ultimate uh, yeah. introduction. You know, uh, I, I, I've never asked you that. I figured we're talking origin stories. This is a perfect opportunity to ask you that. Being in the back of the booth when I was maybe three at Bush Stadium, four, but not at much older than that if I was, and sitting on the back ledge in the radio booth Watching my dad and Mike Shannon and I think Bob Starr at the time called the Cardinal game on radio and I was excited and I moved my arm real fast and I knocked a soda over on top of my dad and Mike Shannon and Bob Starr who were down there calling the game and they turned around like somebody just ran in the booth and threw it at him but it was me this little chubby kid uh, who knocked soda down on him and uh I cried and I guess was not it wasn't too traumatic of an experience because I went back the next day and I basically grew up in that booth. So any of my first anythings go back to the radio booth at Bush Stadium, old Bush Stadium. And uh, that's the earliest one that I can remember, which leads to like Lou Brock's 3000th hit and different things that happened in Cardinal history. But but I think that's the earliest that I can remember of being a little kid and, and making my dad sticky. Is that, is, so was this always something you wanted to do because you saw your dad do it, you were exposed to it, it's something that you grew into wanting to do or you just always knew this was it? I, it's, I just wanted to be him. I wanted to be him. I wanted to, I mean, I wanted to play like everybody, you know, a lot of my friends did and then reality set in. So uh, I, I just saw a guy who was my friend as much as he was my dad, who took me on road trip after road trip. I was in every National League city by the time I was 12. And uh, I, I saw a dad who went to work every day and couldn't wait to get there. And I saw a guy who loved going to work more than being off. And so I think no matter what he did, whether he was, uh, uh, you know, a lawyer, a policeman, a plumber, a firefighter or, or a broadcaster, an astronaut or whatever it was going to be, that's what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that it, it was sports announcer. And uh, I, I paid attention as a little kid and uh, had a master's class of watching a Hall of Famer do games 10 feet from me every night of the summer. So I think unless I was a complete moron, most of that was going to sink in, and it did. Great stuff, wow. Joe, and how he got his start at Fox as well. Yeah. And he was part of the first year of Fox when yeah. the NFL went there. And later on, you'll hear how Jim Nance got started, Aaron Andrews got started, Michael Strahan getting started as a broadcaster. Kevin Harlan, who does the games on Westwood One, his dad was the famed Bob Harlan, who you know, Mike, very well. Why are you like so confused? He he ran the Green Bay Packers, and you're you're a shareholder. How, I mean, I mean, How do you not know him? I mean, 
I couldn't tell you like three people on the practice. Uh, I mean, he, he sat him up for that. By the way, first show. Like, Wait a minute, Bob Harlan never did any sound. Like, six degrees of separate first show on Fox I ever mixed was with Joe Buck. Pretty cool. Boss. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Thanks for taking it in. Tomorrow's show, Chris Carter, Joe Latrulio, and Kyle Brandt, and more. And you, of course. We'll be back here on Peacock to take you to brother from another. But on our radio network, see you.